I'm going to talk, like I was thinking this week, I got asked to speak, I was just thinking, you know, what's important to talk about, and you know, the one thing the people of peace, we've been given a task, which is to take a message to the nations, an apostolic message, but we've been given community here, we talk about community, and I just think as a people of peace, if there's one thing we should, you know, dwell on, focus on, it's it's building community or protecting community. I, I really think we need to put focus on being intentional about building a community here. Because, you know, if, if we don't build our lives together, the message is, um, it's not worthless because it's, it's not our message. We're just bringing it. But it's not a very good example, is it? Start again. Wi-Fi network went. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, so I'm going to talk about community today, but I'm going to talk about, um, about issues, and I always talk about relational issues, that's what I like talking about, either that or money, and then, um, so I'm going to talk about relational issues today, um, and, and I'm going to talk about resentment, and uh, I'm an expert in resentment, <laughs> just letting you know. I've, um, I've built resentment in many, many people. And uh, <laughs> so if you need any keys on how to build resentment, uh, free tips afterwards. And uh, I've also held a lot of resentment, so I'm good at that as well. So anyway, um, and, I, and I love telling stories about resentment, especially about Krista. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, I remember telling that one where we were driving to Cape Hillsborough that day and uh, I was commenting on her overtaking abilities. Anyway, at least that one we sorted within, you know, a, a few minutes, you know, but that's more like a fence and I've spoken of fence before. The problem, resentment is like more long term. A fence is a little thing we can, and we can still hang on to a fence for a long time, but resentment is something, it's like that um, frog in the pot, you know, if you just keep it, it's like turning up the heat and you don't see it coming. And it gets you. It gets you bad. It's, to me, it's, it's the worst of the lot. Resentment is the worst of the lot. And, um, and with Christian and I, uh, we've had a lot of resentment because we've been married tw nearly 20 years now. And um, so that's what happens. And, um, and I remember um, Alicia, Christian was um, um, matron of honour for Alicia Gill's wedding back in 2014. And I could pick a million stories about resentment, but here's one. And, um, and so Alicia, she actually went down early. Like the wedding would have been on a Saturday. It was November 2014. And no, the wedding wasn't on a Saturday, but it doesn't matter. It was in November. And um, maybe it was. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she went down like maybe four days early. And so I was left with all the kids except, did you take one? Take, Karis would have been one. She would have taken one, I had three kids. And um, what we found out being married is, um, you know, resentment's all about expectations not being met. So, you know, I'll come home from working and house is a mess and, you know, kids are all over the place, you know, it's like a zoo, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Sometimes I do extras AFL training just to make sure the kids are in bed before I get home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> training went late. It went to 9.30 tonight. Don't know why. Um, anyway, 
come on, we all do it. Anyway, so, anyway. And so there's unmet expectations. You have some expectations of what you think life will be like and home will be like and you come home and it's all over the place and, and you're thinking, as a bloke, I mean, honestly, how hard can it be? Like, has any other bloke thought this? Come on, you can be honest. How hard can it be? You know? And um, so occasionally I get the opportunity to... Um, but one thing women do, and I, I say it, don't say you don't because I say it, they love treating their husbands like kids, right? And uh, I see this everywhere, and, and it's like, the, if you're a wife, it's the number one thing you shouldn't do. It's terrible. Don't treat your husband like a kid, okay? It's very demeaning for a husband. You know, husbands like respect, and as soon as you treat a husband like a kid, you lose that. So it builds resentment, actually. And um, so anyway, so this is what, you know, this dynamic's going on where I think, you know, what's going on? And so anyway, occasionally Krista gets to go away for a night or two nights. This case, probably about four nights. I got kids, so I'm thinking, I'm going to nail this. <laughs> Can't be that hard, right? So every day I get up, make the kids lunch, get them ready, get them to school on time without a tantrum. Um, you know, make sure the house is clean through the day. I don't know how much actual work I did of my own through that week, but I nailed those kids, picked them up at three o'clock. You know, they do a million different things, got them all around, cooked dinner. I even drove them in a car to Oakey by myself, like, you know. And then, and then I got there and proceeded to tell her how good I was. Right? So you wouldn't believe I got those kids to school by 8.40 every single day. Like, unbelievable. And I never said, dressed in the school clothes, I never actually said, um, like, I know you don't do this, but I managed to get them to school every day by 8.40. Anyway, like, I, I, never, I never said any of the things she didn't do. All I w was just printed, presented a glowing report of my week at home. You know, kids were in bed on time, you know. Yeah, I know it was only one week married. That's the point. <laughs> so, you know, you got this dynamic where um, I'm trying to prove myself. You know, you got, oh, you got about, about 100 million dynamics there. And, but this isn't a one-off occasion. This grows and grows and grows. This is, it, it builds, you know, Krista feels um, like I find her role as worthless. You know how, this is easy, you know, we can just put in a few more minutes, we can get this done. You know, parenting role is diminished. Anyway, you can, you can pick up a million little issues there, right? Little, little issues, none of them big. And, um, but it, it grows offence and then it grows resentment. And, uh, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, uh, he spoke about a lot of different things. But basically, in a lot of different areas, he was raising the bar on law. So, in this instance, in Matthew 5.21, he says, You heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And in the Bible, they translate that word, Raka, fool. But it actually... The word actually means empty. 
and that translation comes from people thinking it's empty-headed or foolish, but uh, you know, another translation could be worthless, like calling someone worthless or empty, of no value, valueless. Um, we'll be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. Uh, with resentment and offence, this is key. The longer it goes, the harder it is to unwind. Do it while you are still together on your way. It says, Otherwise, your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into the prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the very last penny. Now, people, when they read that scripture, is thinking about jail, right? Your adversary and judges. But it's actually, um, it's actually a teaching about our own heart, not, not jail. Like, and in the end, Jesus teaches us that long before something happens in your life, it happens in your heart. The problem is what starts in the heart doesn't stay in the heart. And um, in that same um, teaching of the Mount, he was talking about um, it being, being thrown into an unquenchable fire. And the, the word he used was Gehenna. It was, a, um, it was just a little place outside Jerusalem um, that was basically the rubbish dump. And um, back in the Old Testament, um, they used to offer sacrifices, like human sacrifices, to the false god of Molech. But Josiah stopped that practice, King Josiah. And, um, but it was still used as a rubbish dump even in Jesus' day. There was this, and they used to burn animals there. And it was just a never-ending stench of filth and rubbish and flesh. And it stunk and it never stopped burning. It was, just, it was like a massive burning heap of yeah, junk. And, and Jesus referred that when you hold things in your heart, calling other people worthless and empty, that is where you end up. And, uh, and we call that bitterness or resentment. And so what is resentment? It's bitterness or anger that someone feels about something. The key word there about resentment is feel, feeling. Um, if you went back to your grade primary school English, you'd know that re means back or again. Is that right? Back or again is re. It's a prefix. And the word, uh, the resentment part, comes from the Latin sentire, which means to feel. So literally, resentment means to re-feel. And anyone who holds or carries resentment, which is every single one of you, by the way, if you hold or feel resentment, you know what that feels like. Because your wife only has to do the littlest thing that they, they don't even know they're doing. They're just acting normally. And it triggers you and you re-feel it, right? Whatever was there, you re-feel. Resentment, it comes and just... And then it's like a brick in a wall. And it just keeps on building. Brick after brick. And if you don't deal with whatever that is making you feel that, that will continue to grow and grow and grow. And... And unless you're happy to take some intentionality and combat it, it will get you. 
It might not get you in five years, it might not get you in ten years, but it will get you, and if you're strong enough that it doesn't rip relationships apart, you'll live in that hell. Your life will be a hellhole. It really, really will. You, you might put on an outside exterior, but your life will suck inside. And so you need to identify resentment, identify it, and then be very, very intentional about pulling it all apart, okay? And Chris and I have done this, right? Have we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, <laughs> no, no. And I'm not saying we're perfect. We might be 3% along the resentment killing journey, but we are intentionally killing resentment, like intentionally. And it's painful because you're talking about things that are, see what resentment does is it, most people as bitterness and resentment grow, the easiest way to defend it is to withdraw. So if you see someone in the community that is withdrawing, that is a sure sign of resentment. There's something there because that's the easiest way to combat the pain, is to just not come back. And we see that in churches all the time, we see it in school groups, in, in footy clubs I see it. Get a little bit of pain, they just withdraw. And if you're someone who is withdrawing, you've got a massive issue. And if you don't fix it now, it'll happen to the next group, or the next group, or the next group, okay? So walking away does not solve the problem. The only thing that solves the problem is to start un, un, um, un, unbricking that wall. Now, unfortunately, unless you get a complete miracle of the Holy Spirit changing your heart, resentment basically comes down the same way it goes up, brick by brick, slowly. It's a painful process. Anyway, I'm going very slow here. So anyway, we'll keep on moving. So how does it start? Very small, careless words, um, unmet expectations. Like I said, in a marriage it'll be um, unmet expectation, something done at home. Like, and I might say to Krista, oh, let's do this tonight. And you come home and same thing, stuff, oh, can't do it now, wasn't ready, you know. Think, oh, I really wanted to go out for dinner and the house isn't, you know, you know what I mean, like, oh, we can't do that tonight, try another night, but inside, uh, she doesn't value it. You, you know, if you're real, this happens every day in every single relationship, okay? And resentment starts small, so small that you don't think you have to do anything about it. But then because resentment means re-feeling, the next time it just feels that little bit worse, then it feels that little bit worse, and it, it's a brick wall just building. And I, I was listening to some podcast I listened to, it's a marriage podcast, and some guy rings up and he's just, just complaining about how he gets treated at home. And the guy says, how long have you been married? And he goes, 30 years. And he just goes, why didn't you ring me 25 years ago? Like, honestly. He goes, it's going to take too long to unwind. So I'm just putting that out for warning for people young it's easier to put your big boy pants on and deal with it earlier, okay? Or your big girl pants, yeah. <laughs> but Jesus says, however it starts, it creates a living, living hell in your heart and things can spiral out of control so fast that you don't know what is happening. And the closer the relationship is, the greater the opportunity is to do it. The old, you know, speck and log in your eye if you can see a speck in someone else's eye that you're having a go at, you're pretty close to them, right? I can't see a speck in Krista's eye from here. I have to be. So if you're 
the more intimate you are with someone, the more opportunity there is for resentment. Because you can't pick faults in people you don't know. And so it sort of goes both ways. The closer you are to someone, there's more opportunity for intimacy, more opportunity for resentment. No one can make you mad like someone you love. No one can hurt you like someone you love. And so the people you give your heart to are the people who can hurt you the most. And so the first level of that is obviously family members, whether it's parents, children, people who are married, that's you know, the closest. Parents, children is probably second. But I'm actually talking about this, like I want marriages to be good here, but I want the peace community to be good. And unless we're intentional about it and intentionally protecting it and defending it, like you might have a good five, ten year run, but then it'll go to waste. Because people have to value this. And if they don't value it, and which means that if, like there's two sides to everything, and you've just got to take attitudes that value community. And if you have something in your heart about a brother or sister and you nurse it and rehearse it long enough, it will create a smouldering garbage dump of fire in the very relationship that should have been a garden. Hebrews talks about a bitter root. Uh, I think it's in, I don't know, I won't say what it is. It's in Hebrews. Um, and it talks about don't let bitter roots grow up among you because they're evil, wicked, and it will cause people to become defiled. I mean, that's a very strong word. And the problem with the resentment is because, I mean, resentment is one thing, but what happens when people, do you know what happens when people have resentment? They then want revenge, okay? That, that's next step. So offence happens, resentment grows, 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 and then you want revenge, okay? And because... Um, you know, we're made in the image of God. We're very creative people. Our words have life and we're creative, which means we can think up of every sort of things to manipulate. To, I mean, humans are good at revenge, aren't they? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I'll go through a few little ways. Is obviously criticism and judging. And... Um, and if you're a person who ends every discussion with you being right and the other person being wrong, it's highly probable that you're a critical person. Uh, great at debating and poor at living. Um, I'm like that. And that can um, distract us from you know, God's purposes in our life. Um, criticism and judging um, has a lot to do with our own identity, okay? Because we all want to feel... Um, like we're okay and so if we meet someone who's better than us the best way to preserve our identity is to tear them down if we can get someone lower than us makes us feel good that's what criticism and judgment is all about okay tearing down other people so that we feel higher and then that plays into our self-esteem that's what it's all about and that's why if you can get your identity from Christ you you can probably kill the criticism and judgment because it's just a self-preservation mechanism to make you feel better. So, um, what did Jesus say about judgment? Well, he said not to do it. But uh, even, I guess, more confronting is he said whatever measure we use, it'll be measured back more so to us. 
So um, the cure for judgment is to extend thanksgiving and mercy. Uh, there's another revenge for resentment is gossip. This happened where resentment builds and then you just start talking about that person. And I define gossip, well it's actually Dave Ramsey's definition, but he defines gossip as any negative disgust with a person who can't fix the problem. Okay, it's a pretty simple definition. If, you, if I have a negative about someone and I'm talking about someone else, say I don't like something about Josh, something negative, and I'm telling Ben about it, that's gossip. Because I'm talking about a negative with someone who can't fix it. Okay, pretty simple. So if you find you're talking, having a go at someone, just so there are people you can discuss with, right? Um, if um, leaders are okay to discuss with, uh, if you're in a work situation, people's bosses are okay to discuss with, they can fix the problem. But don't discuss negative with someone who can't fix the problem. And remember, gossip, gossip doesn't have to be a lie to be gossip. If, like just because what you're saying is true doesn't mean it's okay to say. Okay, we're not talking about truth and lies, we're talking about gossip. Talking about a negative with someone who can't fix the problem. And then, this one is the one I was talking about earlier with separation. This one, um, I mean they're all bad, but this one's called disdain or disregard. And uh, this comes out of, the, out of the Gospels with the Pharisee praying. And he says, thank you, God, I'm not like them. That, that comes out of resentment. So when I scoff at the behavior of another person, I'm using God's gifts to slander his creation. And when I dwell on the faults of others, I'm forgetting that God worked in me. Right? If we're in a place where we feel like we're better, it's only because Christ has done a work in us. And then if we're, slant, like if we're looking down at someone else, we're then suddenly boasting about Christ's work as if it's our own. Like, look where I got to. And there's great warnings about boasting about Christ's work as if it's your own. And when I view, sorry? Oh, okay. And when I view others through the lens of their flaws, I'm doubting the power of the gospel for them. You know, one of the things we always say down at the school is every child is redeemable. And, and as soon as you look down at someone in disregard or disdain, you're doubting the power of the gospel for them. You're writing them off. And as Jesus said, settle matters quickly. I think, it's, I think the key here is do it while you are still together. And, you know, relationships can drift for a while where things aren't great. But in a lot of times it comes to part when there's a separation. And the advice on this is settle it while you're still together. And um, yeah, unchecked resentment leads to regret. So before I come back to resentment for a while, to, for a practical, practical side, I'm going to talk about communication, right? Because it's only going to be short and... Um, we found in our marriage at least the number one thing was we just didn't know how to communicate properly. It's, it, and in theory it's a basic skill. Um, doesn't require any talent, just a bit of discipline. 
and um, and there's lots of issues in uh, well, we found there's lots of issues in our marriage, but they they came back to once we started communicating on a different level, what we thought were other issues resolved themselves because you can start talking about them in a fair and reasonable manner, even if they don't fix away. And some things we might not fix for five or ten years, but because you're talking about them, you know where they sit and you're treating each other reasonably, if you know what I mean. And the same thing across a community of people. Okay, You can have differences. You can have things you don't agree what or direct, you think you should go different directions. But if you have the communication there, um, then it's fine. So George, George Bernard Shaw said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And, uh, and I come up against this a lot at work where you think you've given good directions and the outcome you get is the opposite end of the spectrum. You think, how did that work? Anyway, when you start seeing it, you'll be amazed what you say and the other person hears. They will be completely different. So, now if you go and do a communication course, like communica in ter terms of soft skills for a career, communication is like the, up there number one or two. It's what people want. Maybe creativity, but communication is right up there, which means it's a skill that not many people have, otherwise it wouldn't be desired. And um, you can do courses on this stuff, and there's a million things to learn about communication. So I'm going to give you three, because otherwise you won't remember. I'm going to give you one thing about speaking, I'm going to give you one thing about listening, and I'm going to give you one thing about nonverbal communication. Because if you can apply three things, and if you're interested enough, you can go and learn more. But I'm going to give you three that will hopefully help you in your family relationships or even in your peace relationships. Okay. So the first one we're going to talk about is speaking. And these are all biblically based, of course. Okay, Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who guard their lips pres preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Um, Proverbs 10.21 says, Righteous lips nourish many. Which means that if you talk to someone with righteous lips, it has a domino effect. Just not the person you talk to, but then that has an ongoing effect. Okay? Out of all the things I know about talking to your spouse or talking to other people, I think if you're going to make the biggest difference, the old 80-20 rule, doing 20% to make an 80% difference, to me this is it. Speaking rashly, okay? Or not speaking rashly. This is a don't, okay? Speaking rashly literally means speaking without careful consideration of the consequences, okay? So this is speaking without actually thinking in your head what will happen when I say this. And if you think you're going you're gonna to get a massive, you know, burr up, maybe don't say it. Maybe just hold it for a little while until you can find the right... Do you know there's right times and places for communication too, right? Like if I have to talk to someone at work, I try to do it on a Monday morning, not on a Friday afternoon before they go home and have to spend time with their family, right? Because you're going to wreck their lives. So same in marriages, same in you've got to be very intentional about how and when you speak to people, otherwise you just build resentment. So this is, this is number one, speaking rashly. Our words are powerful. James says our words are like a spark setting a forest ablaze. So when you, um, when you don't think about when you speak, 
or what you're saying, it's like a, it's like a fire going through a forest. You've seen these fires like in Victoria. That, that's what, that's the outcome that you're doing in your lives and your relationships when you just have no thought about when and what you're going to say. And can you remember a time someone has spoken to you rashly? I mean, I'm, I'm preaching, I mean, I'm also the king of speaking without thinking. So we're all the same. Uh, I'm not saying you're out there and I'm here. I'm just saying this is a key to sorting resentment. And linked to that is don't speak harshly. Harsh is defined as unpleasant, rough, cruel, or severe. The words we speak should be chosen wisely. Harsh words are usually spoken out of anger, but it does not yield the desired goal. And that's straight out of James, okay? When you speak from anger, you get an ungodly goal. It's bi- these are all biblical communication tools. They're not just out of some you know, website and communication. These are all, if you speak with anger, you get an undesired result. Read it in James. This includes yelling. No reason to yell. Keep volume in check. Avoid sarcasm. It's minimizing. It's minimizing what the other person is saying. So, if you're in a relationship, either in a family relationship, or I really want to safeguard the community at peace and build it. So, if we're going to do any of those communication things about speaking, and there's so many of them, if there's one I want you to focus on, it's to speak rashly, to, to be really considerate of when and where you speak, and don't speak harshly. Okay? And what that means is if my wife has a gripe with me, you just don't just come out and you bleh, right? It's poor communication. You don't get any results out of it. James says you get the opposite result if you talk like that. So if you're someone at home who just comes out and just goes blah, you will get the opposite result of what you're looking for. So why do it? Now, we'll have one listening skill. And this is men all over, okay? But I bet women have their fair share in this too. But this is, yeah, this is also me. I just got, got things that I have to deal with, okay? Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So my number one key for listening is, um, don't interrupt. Just wait till they finish talking. And I'm, I'm very, very bad at this. And there's two reasons for that. If, um, if Krista starts talking about me, if she's talking to me something that's happening at work or somewhere else, I just, halfway through, I know the answer to a problem and I'll just tell her. Like, let's move on. Got other things to do. Right? And then if she's having a complaint about me, like you did this, I'm defending myself, even before she's finished. I see where you're going with this and here's my answer. You can hear it now. Right? But either way, a key to listening is don't interrupt. Just sit there and wait and wait and wait till they have had everything to say. And sometimes, like, you can even say, you tell me when you finish talking and I'll sit here and, a bit like listening prayer, just sit and wait and just, just wait. Don't interrupt when the other person is talking. These are very... Very, very practical things, but this will be the number one thing in terms of listening that will change your relationships. Don't talk over them. As soon as you talk over someone, um, that tactic shuts down communication. As soon as they say something back, we're done. Krista won't talk anymore. Like If she starts talking about something and I go, what about this? We're done for the night. Done. She just shuts up. Because 
That's, like, that's a learned behaviour of how I've treated her in the past. We're going nowhere, I'll just shut up now. Right? So, interrupting um, shuts down communication very, very quickly. And what, when you interrupt, you say, I hear your voice, but not your words. And, and what it looks like, it looks like you're formulating your response before they finish speaking. So therefore, if you're doing that, you're not actually really trying to truly understand what they have to say. Because as soon as they start talking, your brain's somewhere else. It's just thinking. You're not even listening. And one nonverbal skill, because um, nonverbal plays a massive part of communication. You only have to look at my daughter to know that. And as soon as I start talking to her, she goes, crosses her hands. Right? And body language, massive part of communication. And I'm just going to give you one. To me, what I think is the one thing that can help your relationships. Um, Andrew Stevens says to me all the time, I, you know Andrew Stevens from Melbourne? Yeah, I, I spend a bit of time on the phone with him and on Zoom. And the one thing he's always nailing me on all the time, he always says, be where your shoes are. And what that means is if you're at work, don't think about home. Don't think about... At work, you think about work. But when you come home and walk in that door and you're supposed to be talking to your kids, and I'm bad at this too, and you keep on going back to your phone, or he says, be where your shoes are. If your shoes are at home talking to your wife, don't answer the phone. Be where your shoes are. And so, I mean, there's a lot of body language, you know, don't turn away, don't roll your eyes, don't shake your head, don't use closed body posture, lean forward, show interest, make eye contact, all great body language sign, but if you're going to pick any, don't have a device anywhere near a conversation, okay? It's, it's poor form. And, and then be present. You know, the, the new word for this, the new, you know, is mindfulness. And, um, but basically it means that wherever you are, give your full attention. So that picture shows that, you know, if you're just, even if you're sitting doing nothing, don't be on your phone. Like, he, he, that guy's admiring the bird on the seat and he's got a flower under the seat. You know, just wherever you are, just, just enjoy it. And so in a conversation, that means the phones are in the top drawer. If you're going to set aside time for a communication conversation, then be, in the, be where your shoes are, right? You understand that? And that will be, that's the number one tip. If you do those, th if you don't speak harshly, so if you think about what you say before you say it, that'll probably eliminate 80% of your conversation, which is great in terms of fights. So in terms of communication, think about what you say before you say it. If you're on the receiving end, wait till they finish. So even if they are a bit harsh, wait till they finish. And then make sure you're actually there. Okay? Simple. If you do just, there's a hundred things, but if you do those three things, your life will change. Oh, I've even done a summary. So if you're speaking, be present. Don't speak rashly and ask, what are my motives? So as you come into a conversation, be there, don't speak rashly, and then ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I bringing this up? Okay? If you're listening, be present. Don't interrupt. And I added this one at the end. Ask a couple of questions. When you said this, 
did you mean this? And they'll say, no, of course I didn't mean that. You even listened. And then you go again, don't interrupt. They'll explain what they're trying to say and you say, did you mean this? No, I didn't. Can you tell me again what you mean? And this will be ongoing, okay? But don't interrupt, okay? Um, so, one, set aside time. Now, walking is a great way to do this, okay? Walk in the park, walk on the beach, and the reason for that is you don't have to look at each other, all right? So if you're struggling with a hard topic, like say you've got a topic that you've been fighting over for like 15 years, and you want to talk about it, a walk's a great way to do that. You can hold hands and walk along a beach, and it's a good way to start. You know, that's baby steps. Um, before you start, examine your motives for whoever's bringing up an issue. Because James 3.16 says, forever you have envy and selfish ambition, you have disorder and every evil thing. Wow. Don't interrupt and then ask questions. Okay, so I think, I mean, we've been trying to do it in our marriage. We, we say we've had 15 years or whatever of just, you know, bad things. Can we just try and press a reset button on this? And, uh, you know, where can we do things right? So, I, I want people, you can think about that in your own families, but I actually want to think about this collectively as a people of peace because each of us will have resentments here, right? Offenses, resentments, every one of you. So don't think I'm picking on anyone because you've all got it, okay? And I know, I've, like I said at the start, I've probably offended most of you myself, let alone the other, you know, the other cross threads, you know? So. It'll be going on, don't worry. And uh, so I would, like, I would like an intentional reset, okay? So I don't know how, how, how it's going to work. I just want people to be least open to the mind that says, yeah, people have hurt me in the past, fair enough. There is a wall there, fair enough. Least be open to the mind of unbricking a wall. Just least be open to it, okay? That's, that's the first step. Because if you don't deal with bitterness or resentment, um, if you drive it down and suppress it, that's you know things like depression. Um, it's like a deep suppression, you know, and anger. And if you hold resentment as a believer in Jesus Christ, and to stay that way, to live in a place that denies the very nature of salvation that you claim to have received. And it's where that scripture in John says, you know, if you say I'm in the light but hate your brother, the truth is not in you. So if you are a person who has resentment, if you're finding yourself separating, you need to start examining your own motives and working out how much truth is actually in you. Because if you claim to know Christ and his power changing you, that would not be there. Forgiveness changes everything. Forgiveness changes your perspective, it changes your spirit, it changes your mind, it changes your feelings, it changes your outlook on life, and it changes your relationship with God. Because Jesus said, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your forget Father forgive yours. So if you start to forgive, all those things change. And so here... To me, I was thinking, what's a practical way at least to start dealing with resentment? Because what I, I, what I don't really want, I, I was thinking about this a lot overnight. Because I'm not a big fan of, say, me walking up to whoever 
Marin and saying, Marin, you've really offended me. You've made me so resentful. I really hate the way, like, that. to me that is not positive in any way. Especially if they didn't know about it. You know? So let's not go there first step, okay? Because it's okay, like, Kristen, I do those sort of things, but, you know, like, there's different levels of intimacy and relationship. So this is where we're going to start, okay? And to me, this is a, a challenge. I just, I got to a stage in my life where I'm now over 40, and I'm thinking, I don't have that long to live, right? Like, they reckon you have about 4,000 weeks in your life. Is that right, 4,000 weeks? Someone can do the math. That's about 80 years. And I've got about 2,000 of them to go, okay? And I'm thinking, it's time to start being intentional about my relationships and you know, about what I actually believe because you could let this drift and another thousand weeks will go down the tube. And anyway, so this, I just wanted something practical where we could start. So this is where I want people, I would really like, I want to challenge people to actually do this, not just listen to it today and then forget about it forever. I would like people to do this, okay? So what I want you to do, oh, and by the way, I want to start a resentment club maybe. I don't know. I'm open for anyone to come and talk to me, okay? Uh, one, if you have resentment with me, that's fine. Um, I've done enough things to people that would cause that. But even if you have resentment with someone else and just want someone to talk to, because I won't tell anyone else. I won't even tell my wife, okay? So, you know, what happens on the field stays on the field, like footy, right? Yeah. So you come and talk to me, that's where it'll stop. If you want to, if you're really having trouble with someone, come and talk to me and we'll, we'll deal through it. We'll pray. And if you want to make your, if your marriage sucks and you want to make it right, come and talk to me. I'll t I'm not an expert. I'm not a counsellor. I'm nothing. But I can talk to you. And I'll try not to interrupt. <laughs> I, I really will. But it's one of my downfalls. Okay. Sorry, it's going long. Okay, number one, I want you to make a list of all the people that you have resentment against. Start with your spouse and then go from there. Parents, and then go from there. Because you'll have it, it'll be there, and it'll be a long list. And then add in some places as well. Right? Schools, church, oh, churches, they're, they're classic. People are so, have so much resentment against church. Okay? So what you do is anything that gives you an automatic negative feeling when you hear about it. I mean, not just bad coffee. We'll, we'll leave you. Don't worry about the bad coffee places. <laughs> but you can, you know, places, institutions, you know, nothing is too trivial or small because there's two points to this exercise. Okay? So I want, I actually want you to, and you might have 60 things in that list, heap of people, probably everyone you know, and... And then, okay, so you start with a list of people and places, right? Of anything that you just, you know, gives you a bit of grief. Okay, next to that person's name, write what they did to you. Okay? So if it's someone like Graham talking about me, he'll write Philip, and he'll say, told me he'd meet me at this place at 9 o'clock at night, and I drove out there, and he wasn't there. Right? Done. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just giving you a starter there, Graham. If you if you can't think of any, you know, huh? Oh, a long time ago. 
I think he's over it, but I'm not. Okay. Again, nothing is too, too, too small. If you resent your boss, it may be because he gives you unreasonable deadlines. You know, whoever you, whoever is giving you negative feelings, please write it down. And if you can't get something in that second list, guess what? You've got issues. Because what people do, I mean, Krista says she does this. I don't do this. Krista says she has so many feelings going around in her head, it's like that they revolve upon themselves and, and you just blurt them out. But if you actually talk and say, what about this don't you like? She has um, trouble defining it. And that's because it's bigger in your head than it actually is. So if you can't put a name and then a reason beside that name, that resentment might not even be there. You might have just made something up in your head. Okay? So, the reason for resentment doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be honest. Uh, and it does get, it, do, it will feel hard. It'll, it'll make you feel bad about yourself, hopefully. Okay. Now, so now you've got a list of all the people who you feel resentment against, right? And a few places. Then you have a list of why you feel that. And you need to fill up this whole grid. Step three. You then need to write in column three what part of life that resentment is affecting. Okay? If you resent an old teacher who made you feel inferior, you might say that it affects your self-esteem or confidence. So the point of this is to become acutely aware. You've got to become aware in your head of the specific ways that the resentment is impacting your identity and your ability to feel safe, secure and loved. Once again, if you can't identify this, you have other questions to ask. Because the other side of resentment is people just blowing things up in their own head. And step number four, next to the reason or the cause for resentment, you're going to write down your part on how you contributed to that problem. So if you back, go back to the boss, for example, so you've got your boss, you've written down the fact that he sets unreasonable deadlines, unreasonable expectations. But your part in this problem could be that you've, you've never told him. You never spoke up and said, mate, I, I just can't do it. You know, I know you've got Friday deadlines, but Thursdays are no good for me, so I'm happy to achieve these things. Can we talk about it on Wednesday? But if you never said that, you're building resentment and it's your own fault. And this is where honesty and willingness come in. You must be honest about your part and willing to admit it. So after you do this, you should be able to develop a clear picture of who you resent why you resent them, the negative ways that it affects your life, and the part you played in building that brick wall. And understanding your resentments by breaking them down will hopefully start the process of evolving from a person who constantly lives in a cycle of resentment, fear and anger, and then you can't become a person who can identify the source of your feelings and target areas you can work on. Once again, mindfulness, you know, I know it's all new buzzwords. 
But remember, resentment is often enlarged in your own mind. And when you sit down and actually start to work it out, you'll see what it actually is. And, and then we can start another process, but I've run out of time, but um, it starts with gratitude. It starts with forgiveness. It starts with understanding. Connection is a massive one. Okay? If you're a married couple and are struggling with these things, you can do that part of the resentment process but start connecting. So say, okay, three times a week we're going to walk along Frenchville Road and just talk. And it doesn't have to be about this stuff. Because if you, if you start talking normally, your communication skills build, the connection builds, um, and then the next step's easier. So gratitude, understanding, thankfulness, forgiveness, connection. Anyway. Like, I'm done. But... I'm serious about, because I know what a, a part resentment has had in my life, and humans are very good at putting up walls and defences and, you know, wearing nice shirts and making us look good. But, like, inside it, it's no good. It, it wrecks relationships, and, and they're very unpleasant to be in. So, um, I'm happy, if anyone wants to come to me and say, I've resented you for 20 years, and it's, you know, it's because you did this, this, and this, don't worry. I am mature enough to at least have the conversation with you. I can't guarantee that for anyone else. Um, but so anyone who has one with me, come, let's talk it out, you know, let's break bread as they say. Um, and happy to do it. Um, because I, I want to start living intentionally, which means, you know, I want to intentionally work on my marriage. I want to intentionally work with my kids and I fail like everyone else, but at least I want to be intentional about it. I don't want to let five and ten years drift by and nothing changes. So if you're also someone who wants to be intentional about their relationships and want a person to talk to, I will spend time with you. I'll have coffee with you every week if you want it. Okay, we just got to book it in. But I will do that for you if you want it. But only if you want it. And then when you need, when you want your life to change because it sucks. Um, to make it change, you then have to do things that are uncomfortable, okay? You suddenly have to start thinking about other people and doing things that they like, and, um, but then it's all fun. It is fun. But don't think that doing the same things will get you a different outcome. If you, if you want your marriage to change or relationships between family members to change, come and talk to me. But. I can tell you, you'll have to do different things. You'll, and, and, but it's worth it because otherwise, what have you got to lose, honestly? Like, you live another 30 or 40 years and like, like relationships are the only thing that you have to live for. You know, like, it's the one thing you can have richness in. Like, you might not have money, but you can have richness in relationships. And all it takes is a bit of investing, okay? Anyway. I'm done, Jacob. You can come and sing a song. Sing that offering song and then pray.